Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. And today we're going to be starting a new series called Make Jesus Famous. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how do we do that as a church. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3 and how Paul gives us some instructions in this new life that we have. But when you think of the word famous, it literally just means to be known, right? To, to be a celebrity, to have a following of people. And when you think about it today, you know, because of this thing called the internet or YouTube or social media... People become famous for reasons that we still probably have yet to figure out, right? Like, like the Kardashians. Why are they famous? You know what I mean? Why are they making millions of dollars? Why do you watch their show is another good question, right? And then we have these reality shows where these people become stars simply by, you know, signing up to be on a Survivor or American Idol or America's Got Talent, all these different things where people become famous. Then you kind of have the old school people who are actually like real celebrities that like, you know, become actors and actresses or maybe they're an athlete and we know them because of they, not because they're just reality and we like to look into their life, but, but because they actually have talents and skills that, that have elevated them to a place where they have influence and a following. And I think if we were all to be honest with ourselves, we all kind of want our 15 minutes of fame, right? You know what I mean? You, you want that moment where maybe it's like you get interviewed for the news, right? Have you ever, anybody here been interviewed on the news before, right? A few of you, right? I remember for me, you know, being interviewed on the news a couple times and just like recording it on the DVR, you know, and I'm like, hey kids, come here, look, that was dad. That was on TV, when I came on, people turned the channel, but still, I was on there, you know? We all desire to have some kind of fame and to be famous for something. But here's the reality. When we become Jesus followers, that changes. It changes the way we view the world. It changes the way we view ourselves. In Galatians six fourteen, I love the way the Apostle Paul put it. And if anyone should have had a following and, and been famous and been a, a, a kingdom difference maker, it was Paul. But he says this, as for me... And all that I've done, he said, God forbid I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, God forbid that I should boast, that I should brag, that I should be prideful about anything other than the gospel. What Jesus has done for you and me, that's what I boast about. That's what I'm excited about. He said, because of that cross, my interest in this world, my interest in fame, my interest in self-promotion died long ago. And the world's interest in me is also long dead. You see, we hear that and we go, well, of course, that's the way we should be in view of what God has done, in view of the cross of Christ, and in view of, of the mercy that he extends to you and me. This is the way it should be. But I think this is something that we're going to always continue to struggle with, right? Wanting our own fame. Wanting things to be our way, wanting to be at the center of our own lives, building our own kingdom, our own retirement plans, our own safety net, our own careers, our own kids and families. We want to build those things over God's kingdom. See, from the very beginning, creation went into competition for God's glory. It started in the garden. Right? The reason Satan was cast out of heaven was because he went into competition 
for God's glory. You see, Satan, our enemy today, was a worship leader in heaven. And he began to think that God's glory was something that he could have for himself, that he could point to himself. And we got into competition for God's glory. We've attempted to hijack God's glory for ourselves. And when we did, things didn't get better. They got much worse. They got worse. And so when we begin to, to point inward, when we begin to try to promote ourselves other than Jesus and his plan and his mission in the world, we lose our focus. We're all tempted to think that our lives will be better when we're at the center of it, when we're reflecting our own glory, but it's not. You see, you weren't created to be the center of anything. Rather, you were designed to reflect something. You see, we're not, we're not to be light bulbs. We're to be mirrors. We're to reflect light, right? When a mirror tries to be a light bulb, what is there? Darkness, right? There's darkness. And so when we try to reflect our, our own light, when we try to be the light, there's only going to be darkness. You think about the moon, right? When you've ever like walked outside, have you ever done that where like you walk out and like you, maybe you're going to bed at night and you're like locking your door and double checking things and all of a sudden you're like, man, it's really bright outside. Did I leave a light on? But it's the moon and there's a full moon and, and the moon is really bright. And the reason that it's beautiful is not because the moon itself is beautiful, right? It's reflecting the sun's light. You didn't know you were going to get a science lesson today, right? I don't even know how the eclipse plays into that. I didn't get that far. But, but anyway... <laughs> The, the sun is reflecting light. Without the sun, the moon is cold, it's dark, it's gray. Have you ever got to see like a moon rock before? If you've ever been to a museum or maybe seen one online, it's nothing to look at. There's no beauty in it. It's just gray, it's plain, it's simple. But when the light is reflected off the moon, we all stop and go, wow, that is amazing, right? And so we are made to reflect God's glory. Some of the most unattractive people on the planet, and I'm not talking about physical looks, but the most unattractive people that you're around, you're, some of maybe your coworkers, God forbid, hopefully not some in your family, are those people who try to hijack God's glory for themselves, who try to boast about themselves, who try to puff themselves up, who try to make themselves look better than they are. You see, the lie of our enemy in this world is that you can acquire and consume your way to happiness. That when you're at the center of your life and it revolves around you and everyone revolves around you and you get your way the way you want it all the time, that you're actually going to be happy. But it's the furthest thing from the truth. When we strive to receive our own fame and our own glory for ourselves, we'll be some of the most unfulfilled, unattractive people on the planet. But Jesus says you're going to be most fulfilled when you pour yourself out. That's something we believe fully in here at Adventure Church. And there's no doubt today... That the one we're supposed to be reflecting is famous. Everyone knows who Jesus is, right? I mean, you ask anybody who's Jesus, they're going to say, oh, he was either a prophet or no one denies his existence. No one denies his following. Some debate whether or not he's the son of God or the way, the truth, and the life. And, and what he, if he was what he said he was. But there's no doubt Jesus is famous. It's, it's not debatable. He is known by people. And I think then we have to ask ourselves, if we are to be like Christ, why was Jesus famous? Why was he famous? Why did people follow him? One is because he predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. Anybody else done that? Right? I mean, he did it. It was proven. It was, there's, there's facts that, that prove it. There's people who, who still talk about it today, you know, 2,000 plus years later, that this man did what he said he was going to do. James, Jesus' brother, is our greatest proof. He was not a follower of Jesus until his brother 
died and came back to life and then showed back up. And he said, hmm, maybe there's something to this. And then James went on to to serve Jesus and to promote the gospel and to, to serve his kingdom until his death, right? And so Jesus was famous for a reason, and this is why to me. The reason that Jesus was famous, the reason why Jesus had followers in the season of life that he lived was because he was selfless and sacrificial in the way that he loved people. His life was not about him. Jesus became famous because he was on a mission to build God's kingdom, not his own. To fulfill God's purpose for his life and not his own. Even though he was the son of God, even though he performed miracles and raised people from the dead and healed people and did all these amazing things, he always pointed back to his father. He always said, it's not about me. It's not about my will. It's not about what I want. This is about the kingdom of God. And he was all about the kingdom of God so much so that he was willing, that he voluntarily laid down his life and gave his life for people who were killing him. That's what it means to reflect God's glory. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, the Apostle Paul tells us this. He's speaking about salvation. He says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message The gospel message of reconciliation. So then he says this. So in light of that, if that's who you are, if you're a follower of Jesus and today, if you're not, man, I I would appreciate you listening in and tuning in today because I believe God has something for you as well. But if, if you have said, I am a follower of Jesus, Paul says, then here's the deal. If this is who you are, we are Christ ambassadors. And if you don't know what ambassadors means, it simply means this. It's a person who acts as a representative for someone else. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are representing him. God is making his appeal through you and me. When we speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. To me, this humbles me to think that I am now his representative in this world. You see, Jesus is no longer here. He's in you and me. He's in us, working through us, right? And he says, so you're the one who gets to represent me. Why was Jesus famous? Because he was selfless. And sacrificial in the way he served and loved people. That's why they followed him. And he says, now look, I've given you this message. I've given you this example. I gave you my life. Now follow me with yours. And this is the way you're to follow me. So Paul says, you are his representative. And how you represent him to your world. Not the world, but your world. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your family members, your spouse, your kids. How you represent him is pointing people either to who Jesus really is or maybe not. He's making his appeal to the world through you and me. It's amazing to think that we are his ambassadors. Paul goes on in Colossians 3 and ends this chapter, and we're going to get to this in part 3 of this series. And he says, whatever you do or say, whatever. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever. Whatever. You go, wait wait a second, Paul. Even when I'm in that one meeting with that one guy and he's driving me crazy, right? Even when I'm at the grocery store and that lady has 30 items in the 20-item line, Right? Even when my kids are driving me up the wall, he says, and whatever you do, whatever you say, man, you do it as a representative of Jesus. You do it as an ambassador because God is making his appeal through you. 
Adventure Church, right? I said, happy birthday to you because it's your birthday. You are Adventure Church. Without you, this church doesn't exist. We are the church. And God is making his appeal through who Jesus is and, and representing him. And the reason we gave you these shirts today is why we give shirts away is because we want you to wear them, one, okay? But wear them, wear them in places where people are going to go, what's that? Yeah. Right? What, who, adventure, what does that say? I was wearing one to Riley's school the other day, and the teacher was reading my shirt. She says, what is adventure? I said, oh, it's a church over here. And Riley goes, my daddy's the pastor. And I was like, <laughs> be quiet. No. She was like, oh, really? That's awesome. You know, and I was like, oh, boy, she'll never talk to me again, right? <laughs> so I dropped Riley off, but guess what? The next day, I'm on my way out, and she's the, one of the teachers who helps get the kids checked in and as their parents are dropping them off. And she pulled me aside, and she said, hey, Gabe, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah. She goes, where's your church? I said, well, it's actually like if you just walk straight through this field, like it's right over here, it's right there. You ever see the tractors? She's like, oh, yeah, I know where the tractors are. I was like, yeah, we're right next to the tractor store. <laughs> She's like, that's awesome. I said, where do you attend? She goes, well, that's why I'm asking. I, I don't, and I, I think I need to, you know. And I said, well, we'd love to have you. And, 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 and so a T-shirt led to a conversation, and thankfully I smiled and was kind, right? And I wasn't yelling at Riley for being late, and, you know, her hair's all natty. And I'm like, oh, brush your hair, you know, like it was a good day, thankfully. But that God is making his appeal. His appeal. Jesus is saying, these are my kids who I love and they're lost and, and they need me. And I'm gone, but I'm in you and I'm making my appeal through you. You're my representative and all that you do and all that you say. He says, so whatever you do, think about it. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how can God make his appeal better through you and me? How can we make sure we're not absorbing light, but we're reflecting light? That we are his representatives and our goal and our aim and our life isn't to build our own kingdom, but to make Jesus famous. But to make him famous for why he's famous. Selfless, sacrificial love. That's what I want people to think about when they think about Adventure Church. That there's a group of people who are selfless in the way that they serve. Selfless in the way that they give and and, and follow God's mission in the way that they volunteer. And, and, and they represent the real Jesus. Because there's enough people who are falsely representing the Jesus that I know. In the name of Jesus. There's enough of that, right? And God is waiting for us to be the light. To reflect his light in his world. Paul gives us these instructions in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. We're going to be in this chapter the next three weeks. He says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you get to share in his glory. When he comes back, that's when you get to be famous. That's when you get to share in his glory. Right now, that's not our role. He says when he's revealed, when he comes back, me, me and you, oh, we're going to be like, ha, ha, ha. I told you you should have came to church. Peace. We're going to be raptured, right? God have mercy on your souls. Right? 
I don't, I, I, hopefully we won't be that way, right? That would be a little prideful. But in that time, we get to share in his glory. But until then, he says, this is the reality. He says, set your sights. You see, the problem with many Christ followers is, is we set our sights too low. We begin to focus on things that are meaningless when it comes to eternity. We begin to focus on things and to get our attention on things that, that are temporal and not eternal, right? We, we get so caught up in the things of this world. Paul says, I died to this world. You have died to this life. You have come to the reality that there's more to this life than just this life. That there's something greater waiting for you. That there's a purpose that God has for your life that's far greater than any promotion you'll ever get. That's far greater than any school your kid will attend. That it's greater than those things. He says, so set your sights on the reality of heaven. That's the reality today, folks, is that there is a heaven and there is a hell. There's an eternal destination for every soul. That's why we celebrate 482 people that have crossed over from death to life, right? That there's an eternal destination on everyone's soul in this world. And Paul says, look, when you understand the reality of heaven, he goes, the things of this world, they don't really matter anymore. The size of your house, the square footage of your home, the price tag on your car, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. What matters is the reality of heaven. So he says, quit setting your sights on those things to the left and right of you. Get your eyes on what's above you. God is above. He's sitting in a place of honor. He died in your place. He's, he's beckoning. He's making his appeal through you and me. And Paul goes, you got to get your eyes off that stuff that doesn't matter. Focus on Christ and, and what he's done for you, the realities of heaven. And when you get an eternal perspective on your purpose, in life, it changes everything. It changes the way you view people. It changes the way you view your career. It changes the way you look at your kids and, and your marriage and all of those things. Does it matter in view of eternity? Paul's saying there is more to this life than this life. And you have to live for what's eternal and not temporal. And that's how we make Jesus famous. We don't invest our best in momentary pleasures and fleeting rewards. No, we pour ourselves out into the only thing in this world that's eternal, and that's people. Give ourselves selflessly and sacrificially. You go, it sounds motivating, and the vision is great, right? And sounds easy enough to do, but how many of you know it's pretty hard, right? That's why Paul says, he says, in order for Christ to live in you, you you have to die. You have, to, you have to kill. You have to destroy those things that pull you off of his purpose. You have to get away from those things that are pulling you off his path for your life and, 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 and blocking his light from reflecting in you. You got to bury those things. You have to die to those things. In John 8, 12 John said this, he said, when, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never be in darkness, but will have the light of life, right? And so we have to start realizing that we're not to absorb the light and, and the glory and the fame, that we are to reflect it, to bring him glory. It's not about our fame, it's about his name, yeah. Jesus' name. So how do we do that? John goes on and he says, in order for that to happen, he said, he must increase, I must decrease. 
but I don't like decreasing, right? I was never good at math, but I never liked decreasing in anything, right? I want to increase in things. I want to increase in, but are we increasing in the right things? It's okay to increase. Are you increasing in your influence for the kingdom, right? We can increase in things, and that's good, but, but he's saying for, for Christ to live, this is our mentality every day. God, help me to decrease so that you can increase. God, help me not absorb your light and be focused on things that aren't going to have any eternal significance in my life. But God, help me to set my sights on the reality of heaven. To see people the way you see people. To see my purpose the way you see it. You see an eternal perspective changes the way you view your purpose. And as we move forward as a church and today as we cast vision, I've been praying for months knowing that this was our birthday And what series? We actually had a different series planned, and I changed it about six weeks ago because this idea of making Jesus famous just kept coming to my heart and coming to my mind. And I said, well, well, Jesus, what do you want me to say? What, what, where do we go in the future? What, what's next for Adventure Church? And I just kept hearing this over and over again. More of the same. More of the same. We're on target. What God is doing here is, is, is miraculous. We're not, we're not missing it, right? It's just, it's just more of the same. It's, it's small tweaks, but, but get laser focused on the vision. In the vision of Adventure Church, the heart has always been to make Jesus famous. To not build a platform for me so I can write a book someday. Maybe I will, but that's not what it's about, right? If I did, you all would buy it, right? Thank you. But it's not about me. It's not about building a platform for me to stand on. The moment that the spotlight begins to shine on me on this stage is the moment that our church misses it completely. That's why anyone could step into this pulpit and preach if they're on mission with us. And it's not about me. It's not about me preaching. I remember the first time I wasn't going to preach for the first two years of our church, I missed one Sunday. And that's not healthy, by the way, just so you know. And I remember that we were setting up and tearing down and we had a guest speaker coming in. And they were like, Why aren't, why, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? I'm not preaching today. And we had people leave because I wasn't preaching. And I go, man, this isn't right. They've gotten too used to me. It's become about me in some way. We got to get more people speaking. We got to get more people involved in what we're doing because it's not about me. So for this year, I really feel like we're called as people to do more of the same, to stay on point, to stay on focus of making Jesus famous. What that means is, is we need more people committed to community. We just need more people. Some of you have committed, some of you haven't. We need more people. If we're going to move into the future, if we're going to continue to reach people and help people discover new life, we need more people committed to doing life together. I love in Acts 2 where we get the, the first church gathering. This is the first church, the first assembly of people coming together. It gives us a description of what was going on. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions. They shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple, at church. Then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, life groups, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I love that last sentence there. 
He gives us a picture of what authentic community looks like. And he says, listen, this is what people are looking for. God was adding to their numbers. It didn't say the preacher was amazing and so God was growing the church. It didn't say the worship was so on point and the musicians were awesome that God was growing the church. It said that because the believers were doing life in community together, because they loved each other, because they cared for each other, because they shared their money, they shared their possessions, and they showed up and and served one another, that they were making Jesus famous in the way that they were selfless and sacrificial. It said God was adding to their numbers daily because that is what people are longing for. Nothing will build God's church better than community, authentic community, people coming together. You see, we've never been trying to draw a crowd here. Our vision was to build a community, to move people from rows into circles where they could do life together, where we, where we celebrate the church isn't just somewhere we go, but it's a family that you can belong to, right? It's just not a place that you go, but it's a family of people where you can do life with together. But in order for that to happen, you gotta get in a life group. Right now, we just started them. Get in a group. Quit wasting your time. It can save your marriage. It can help you break those addictions. Don't wait. Sign up. Make a commitment. I promise you it'll change your life. More of the same. More people committed to community. More people inviting. More people intentionally extending invitations for people to meet Jesus. You see, the church should always be known for our love. That's what Jesus was known for. That's why he was famous. That Jesus went out of his way to reach the one. To share his love with people. That's what we need. We need more people intentionally. It's an intentional act that you do, engaging people with the point of helping them meet Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.9, in the message translation, I love this. He says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work, to speak out for him, to tell others night and day of the difference he's made for you. That he took you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Now Peter was preaching right there, right? That God's making his appeal through you because he took you from nothing to something. That you were rejected, now you've been accepted. And that's what Paul says, this is the message. This is the gospel. He's making his appeal through you. And he says you should be willing to share this message. It's what we're trying to do at Adventure Church, is to let just people know that, yeah, you've messed up. You've made a ton of mistakes. You're always going to be messed up, but guess what? God still loves you. Jesus died for you while you were a sinner, while you were yet sinning. He gave his life. It's the message of love that Jesus gave. The two most important days of our lives is the day that you were born, right? You need that one. And then the day that you discovered why, that God created you. That God created you with a purpose. And when we can unite creation with their creator, man, it's powerful to see the light bulb come on for people. That they begin to see the purpose that God has for them. More of the same. People committed to community, inviting, reaching out. We need more people involved. Using their God-given abilities to build God's kingdom. Where we use those talents that he's given us. I was intentional with saying God-given abilities. The abilities you have, the talents you have, they come from him. And God says, they're not just for you and for your kingdom. Yeah, you've been great in your career. It's been awesome. I've seen work through you. Great, 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 great. Good things. But I have a greater purpose for you than that. And so we're trying to, to, to connect your passion with God's purpose for your life. And when that happens, there's a, there's a powerful combination that we are his representatives. We work for him. Who's your boss? It's him. Amen. Right? He's the boss. He's the one that we take our orders from. 
And we are to be involved in his kingdom. I loved this week, I was just reading some articles and the, the title of this article, and this was the church's response to what happened in the two hurricanes in Houston and Florida. And it says this, this was the, the title of the article, Christians outpace FEMA to bring aid to hurricane victims, Washington Times. How awesome is that, right? U.S. Today article went on to say about 80% of all recovery that's happening is because of nonprofits, the majority of them faith-based. The CEO said this of the National VOAD. I don't even know what that is, but that's what he said. And he said this, the money is all raised by individuals who go, serve, and raise through corporate connection, raised through church connections. And it amounts to billions of dollars worth of disaster recovery and assistance. Isn't that amazing? That when it's time for the church to show up, we're showing up. But what if we showed up before it was time for us to show up, right? What if it didn't take a, a, a natural disaster or, or a tragedy to get the church to be the church? That we did it ourselves in our, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and, and that we're involved in God's mission and his purpose in the world. And I just want to take this moment to say thank you to those of you, the 220 of you who are actively engaged in what God is doing here. Serving, using your abilities and your talents for cause that's far greater than you. And today, if you aren't involved, join the mission. God has something for you. When God begins to use you and, and your giftings and, and, and the talents that he's given you for something that's greater than you, I promise you, there's nothing in the world that can fill you up more than that. You're always going to be more fulfilled pouring yourself out than filling yourself up. More people engaged in community committed to inviting and sharing the gospel, committed to serving and using their abilities for God, and more people engaging in irrational generosity to spread the message of Jesus around the world. And I want to say thank you to all of you who have become percentage givers here at Adventure Church. The reason we can do what we do is because of you. That's just the reality. It takes resources to reach people. And we've reached people, hundreds of people, because of people selflessly and sacrificially investing in God's kingdom. And we do it for the stories of people who have yet to been told. That God is changing lives. He's changing families. And there's stories in our community that God wants to tell. There's families that he wants to save. There's hundreds, thousands of people surrounding our church, moving in, building neighborhoods. God has strategically placed us. And if we're going to get to where we need to go, it takes everyone being committed to community, making this place feel like a family, committed to inviting and sharing the love of Jesus with others, making him famous in the way that we serve and the way that we give. It's just what it takes. And God just kept telling me, what's the, what's the amazing vision for the future? He just said, more of the same. More of the same. What's that mean? It means that not all of you are there yet. And I would say, take your time, but then hurry up because we need you. Because God needs you. Because God is making his appeal through you. And he's waiting for you to engage in the grace that he's given to you. And embrace the calling that he has on your life. He wants to do something great through you. He desires to do it. Because there's more people like Adam that are waiting. Let's take a look at this story. Adam's story. Hi, my name is Adam. 
Went off to college after high school and I learned how to drink. And, uh, you know, there were always these, you know, milestones that I thought I would cross. I always seemed to, to find a way to protect my drinking. I never really had a, a chemical dependency on waking up and grabbing a beer or grabbing a, you know, a liquor drink or whatever it is. Where I was, as soon as I ingest some of it, the craving intensifies and I cannot turn that off until my body just shuts down. The further and further I got into it, the more and more of my family I started to drag with me. You know, my wife was probably the closest to it for the longest period of time. I went on this golf outing and she just said, just don't come home. And in that three days, I drank more than I can even count. And I slept maybe about six hours in those three days. Somehow I made it home. I don't remember making it home. Uh, I woke up on the couch in the basement the next day and she had explained to me how she found me. I'd gotten sick all over in one of our rooms, passed out, face down, and uh, unresponsive. And uh, she had our daughter with her who saw me like that. She let me know that, you know, she's not kidding. If I drink again, she's gone. And if I felt it, that was the, that was the, whoa, okay. <clears throat> I gotta make some changes. The next day I went to AA for the first time. Uh, I didn't feel like I belonged there. I thought that was for homeless people, guys that lost their jobs, criminals. You know, that wasn't me. A bunch of guys came up to me. They were encouraged that I had showed up and they were nice. They were great guys. I remember saying to this older gentleman, so always, I'll never forget what he said to me. I said, well, thanks for letting me come. And he goes, well, if you're here, it's because you earned it. And that was kind of a weird dose of reality that I had, I, I belonged there. If I went there, it's, it's because I belonged there. I didn't want to necessarily quit drinking, but I didn't want the consequences that came with my drinking anymore. And that was enough to get me curious to just keep going back. I decided, you know, at the call of Adventure Church to sign up to be a leader for a life group. The first Buckeye game for the life group, we were excited. It was the biggest game so far that year. We're playing Oklahoma five minutes before the game starts. No dice. It was, uh, it was two hours, two hour rain delay or weather delay, whatever you want to call it. So we sat on the couch and we kind of looked at each other like, so what do you do? So we had that, uh, that first game and meeting. We decided to keep on keeping on. Uh, somebody had a crazy idea to get together for New Year's Eve. And uh, that was something that we had never really thought about. It was going to be awkward. It was going to be weird. We said, let's do it and uh, went for it. It was pretty powerful that we had gotten comfortable with each other enough to where uh, in front of our families we could join hands and we prayed before our meal. 
And that is something that a year prior on New Year's Eve, I wouldn't have even thought twice about doing. And I kind of joke that, you know, AA played Cupid to me and Jesus. And then it took me literally falling down on my face, being at the end of my marriage, at the end of my fatherhood, for me to find him. I found myself relating to the one day at a time mentality that AA had. It was one day at a time spiritually for me. God, I don't know what you have planned for me if I start letting my mind wander or go crazy with the ideas of what it could be, I'll burn out. I won't have the strength to see it through, but for today, what do you want me to do? Because if you want me to talk to one person today, I can handle that. If you want me to pray with my wife today, I can handle that. If you want me to just be a good guy today, if you want me to listen to Christian radio today, if you want me to just wake up tomorrow and read again, I can do that. I don't know what the future holds, but I knew that that day I could start off reading and listening and then just responding. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Would you stand with me today? You see, Adam is just one of many of you. But what we love about Adam is, is that God did something unique and special in his life here at Adventure Church. And you know what he did? He just simply said yes. He said yes to more of the same. He said yes to community. He said yes to serving and helping and giving of his life. And the coolest thing to see is that Adam's brought guys along with him. That he said, God didn't do something just in me for me because I wasn't meant to absorb this light. I was meant to reflect it. And he started a group and he's been investing in guys who are new to their faith and, 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 and linking arms with them and saying, God has something for you too. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Church, that's all God needs from you is a simple heart that says, yes. Day by day, God, I don't know what you want to do today through me, but but I know you're making your appeal through me, so I say yes to you and no to me. I must decrease so you can increase. God, I'm not getting my eyes on the temporal things that are so easily distracting me and pulling me away from eternal significance. I don't want to invest my best in things that just won't matter at the end of my life because one day you and I are going to stand before Jesus, saved people following him, but he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And we're going to have to answer that question. And for me, what makes me so passionate, what pushed me and Jess to go all into Plan Adventure Church over four years ago, was that when I stand before God, I wanted to say, Kyle, you went all in for me. You weren't perfect. Man, you messed up sometimes. Boy, you blew it sometimes. But your heart was to please me. And daily where I just go, God, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. But God, make your appeal through me. God, help me to love my family. Help me to serve my wife. Help me to raise my kids. God, help me to share your love. And when I stand before God, because of what Jesus has done for me, I just want him to hear you say, Kyle, you did good, man. Come on in. Your reward's waiting for you. Now it's time to share in my glory. You did good. He's not going to care about any accolades that I have. Only what I've invested in people. Paul said this in Acts 20. He said, and I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and, and, 
persecution was waiting for him. He said, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but except the Holy Spirit is in me and tells me in city after city that, that suffering's waiting for me, that it's not going to be easy. He says, but this, he says, but my life, it's worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work the Lord has assigned me. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The only way your life can be worth something is when you're willing to lay it down for the one true king, for the cause of Christ. Today, that's my question to you, church. Are you willing to lay your life down so that the name of Jesus can be lifted up? Are you willing to die to yourself so that he can live? Are you willing to give your all to the cause of Christ? Are you willing to make Jesus famous? God, we love you. You're so worthy. You deserve all glory. God, not only do you deserve it, but I'm better off when I embrace it, who you are, who you've called me to be. So today, God, help me to be a mirror that reflects your light that I would be your representative in all that I do, in all that I say, because you're worthy of it, Lord. And your cause is worthy of my life. So I set my sights on the realities of heaven, and I will invest my best in what matters most, in serving you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.